0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the TT Podcast. The Tour de France is over eight months away, but the anticipation has just stepped up a notch. The routes for the 2023 edition have just landed, and it's good news for the climbers. Joining me to dissect a month's worth of stage racing is my co-host Tom. Tom, how are you?
1: Uh, Hi everyone, I'm very good, thanks, and uh, we're back. We've been... It's the off-season, we're having some time off, and now it's all kicking into gear again.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like we've been a bit lazy, Tom, but also, this is a podcast and we need things to talk about. And When there's nothing happening in the world of cycling, it's very hard. And when we're not going to sit here and wring the dishcloth dry of content.
1: Oh, you even had to dip into some track cycling, didn't you? I know, that was that was delightful, actually. I, yep.
0: I was a full convert to track cycling um, until I left and... Got back into road cycling and completely forgot about track cycling but that was a good a, little, a nice little foray
1: well lucky for you we can talk about saint quentin en eveline a bit later then ah uh, yes my spiritual home of saint quentin en yeah. <laughs> uh where the French national
0: velodrome is um, right Tom Tour de France route presentations I'm aware that you've been on the day job today so you haven't necessarily seen the ceremonies
1: you know what? We actually had a fire drill at exactly the time the presentation was happening today as well. So I couldn't even sit in front of my computer and pretend to work while I looked at the route as it came out. <laughs> That's okay, Tom.
0: I'm sure there are many listeners listening to this podcast at the moment who also haven't had a chance to to watch the presentation. So I thought we would start with me telling you my favorite bits off it's this one and also Tour de France route presentations in general.
1: Okay. Yeah, talk me through it because I it's not something I I like, obviously I Day the route comes out, I look at the route and make my own opinions, but I can't say I really watch the presentation that much. It's like a Champions League group stage draw isn't it?
0: So I no no no, it's it's it's, there's a lot more pomp than Mm. that. Um what happens, right, is they start it and it's the same guy who does all the kind of announcements at the race. Um, and then they have this the, the best bit is right at the beginning, right? So they have this really bizarre, odd catwalk of random, random riders who have clearly not been given a rigid dress code. (laughs) right you've got you've got the french riders turning up in jeans the french riders always just wear jeans michael matthews turns up in a tie uh tady pogaccia is wearing suspenders
1: yeah i've seen that on um was it mark cavendish was teaching someone how to do a tie earlier
0: yeah Yeah. there was this bizarre scene of mark cavendish doing up michael matthews's tie neither of them can figure it out and you you can can see Taddy's there in his
1: suspenders yeah Taddy
0: stood there in the background in suspenders i was like only only in this sport at this event could we get this um so they do all that, and it's really, really weird. Um, then they have the, the route presentation. And it's a route presentation, but there are very, very few details off the actual route. What you get is profiles of stages and a dizzying, weaving yellow beam that goes from the start town to the end town. Um, and you've genuinely not idea. You, you, it's very hard to process actually what this race will look like by looking at the graphics.
1: Yeah, well, that's what I, th- you sort of get given the climbs, don't you, in the start and uh, end towns or cities of each day, but the road book surely doesn't come until much later. No, 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 you don't, there's yeah. no like, oh, there's
0: a left-hander here that's yeah. nice, it's like straight, it's like, right, here you go, we're starting here, we're ending here, figure it out yourself. <laughs> um, There was also, Tom, a segment that you would have liked this year, which was a whole bit that was in Basque.
1: I, I would have loved that, yeah. Can't speak it, but language ridiculous language but very interesting no yeah, no absolutely
0: I, I was i was kind of um slightly bedazzled by it but I, I enjoyed it um i'd say jump into the roots but i think the headline act, tom for us fortunately and for what people think we do on this podcast is time trialing yeah or the lack of or the lack of right we'll start with the men's race which is what you're alluding to there yeah um just the one time trial 22 kilometers um, according to GCN's Will Newton, that is the lowest since 1934.
1: And it's not on the penultimate day where you would expect to find it.
0: No, it's not. It's 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 wedged in between a few alpine stages.
1: Yeah. Um, and you know what my view on this will be. I've expressed this view plenty of times. Why are there no time trial kilometres or very few time trial kilometres in the Tour de France? Uh, this is a trick question, isn't it? Um, well, it depends on what your answer is
0: is the answer because it's organised by French people and the French generally can't time trial.
1: Yeah, that's exactly the answer. It's to play to the strengths of the French riders. So I, I was watching an interview um, after the
0: presentation on YouTube with last year's fourth-placed rider in the GC. Who would that be, Tom? Uh,
1: David Gaudu. I was not expecting you to
0: get that, <laughs> but it was David Godu. Um I guess it kind of runs on from what we were saying. Um, and he was very, very giddy about the fact there were very few Time trial in kilometers. He was like, that's the only thing that I've remembered from that from that presentation. And I'm very pleased with it.
1: Yeah, I think you would be, especially if you're him. You're the, probably the premier French climber right now as well, aren't you? This is, it's really playing into his hands.
0: Yeah, no, he was he was he was chuffed. I mean, mm. also you've got the likes of Roman Bardet, um, Guillaume Martin as well, was someone who was who was quite pleased mm-hmm. with that route. Um, possibly, I, Thibaut I, Pino. possibly Thibaut Pinot. Possibly Thibaut Pinot as well. Um, I was quite disappointed with that. I enjoyed the 40-kilometre time trial on the penultimate day last year. Um, I like a prologue time trial, as we've discussed before.
1: Yeah, um, and that would be nice. Obviously, we've got the Grand Depart in the Basque country. Um, and uh, you, it's normally, you get the prologue, don't you, just as an excuse to show off whatever the Grand Depart city is, uh, in this case, Bilbao, I believe. It is Bilbao. The first yeah. time ever the Tour de France, France, has
0: visited Bilbao. Which they made a massive really? thing about. It was a massive, yeah, I guess, to be fair, it's not that far from the French border, but they made a massive thing about it. They were like, this is the first time ever the Tour de France has visited Bilbao. Like, you know, it's really surprising that we haven't visited there before. I was like, well, like, are you going to say that about everywhere? Like, if you go to Sydney or Shanghai, are you going to make a big thing about it being the first time ever?
1: Well, no, because it is really close. I mean, when I lived in Po, which I will probably obviously mention later as well, because <clears throat> thankfully that's back in the route, We one of the first things we did was get straight to San Sebastian and Bilbao because they're so accessible from there. Well, you'll have the inside knowledge then on uh, on what's going
0: to happen there because I don't really know those places very well.
1: Uh, I can't say I did any cycling in San Sebastian. I got on the on the drinking then at least. Yeah, I got quite drunk on the beach <laughs> and, <laughs> and then went for a night out. Uh, so probably not the same experience as these riders will have. But I, I, well, San Sebastian, the cyclists know very well anyway because they've got the the classicora around there every year. Lovely Bas- it, Basque it, you word. You put a bit of Basque into the podcast. <laughs> I could have said classica. No, no, no. I like it. Hmm. Take the
0: hard route. Um, Then we also have a a first time trial in the women's race. We do. And where is it? It is in uh, a city called Poe, Tom.
1: It is indeed.
0: Um, It is, I think, a reverse route of the one from 2019 The Julien Alaphilippe one.
1: Which you were, of course, the expert on because you were there.
0: Yeah, we've done this whole segment so many times (laughs) in this podcast. But I'll remind the listener once again that I was there that day.
1: Um,
0: But yeah, do do you want to know what I was going to say? Here's a fun fact for you, Tom.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: It's not a fun fact. I'm going to spin it as a question. Um, How many time trials were there, individual time trials were there in the Women's World Tour this year?
1: Um, Three. Incorrect. Uh, have I gone low or high? I feel like that's probably a very low estimate, but I also feel like the women just don't get given time trials as much as they should. The answer,
0: Tom, is two, oh. um, and they came in at a total of around twenty-two kilometers, which is coincidentally the same length as this as this time trial.
1: Where were they? Do you know? They, was it one at the Giro Rosa or
0: the Giro Donna? Yeah, there was yeah. one there, and there was one at the Simac Ladies Tour.
1: I've, there you go. Yeah, I, it's a bizarre set of circumstances where they don't seem to have time trials. Uh, I mean, that's obviously, that, that was the big talking point for the women's tour last year. Where's the time trial? And they've listened. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember speaking to Joss Loudon and
0: being, her being like, everyone was very excited about the race. And I was like, look, your discipline, Joss, is not here. And she was like, yeah, you know, I'd love to see one, but it will grow. It will grow. Hey, next year, y- the year later, we've got a time trial. So like, it's clearly growing. And it's not just that, but it's good to see the Women's World Tour putting this discipline center stage because it can make a difference in races and it can be very exciting.
1: And yeah, not only have we got a time trial, but they're also sending them up the Tour melee which will be a, a bit of a baptism of fire as well, I'm sure. Right, we'll get onto that in a second. Um, let's start with the men's
0: race. We'll pedal back. Oh, that was clever. Cool. We'll pedal back. Did you get... Did you, forget that. <laughs> uh, we start in the Basque Country. Mm-hmm. Straight into the Pyrenees, right? Yeah, your country, right? Absolutely. And it sweeps over to the east via the Puy de Dôme, and then we have a very, very heavy dose of the Alps. We have one final hilly TT, a mountains test in the Vosges Mountains, and then but we not have not the... La Planche des Belfi. but not the Planche des Belfi. We've got the Markstein Fellering. Um, that stage is basically a carbon copy of the penultimate stage on the uh, of the Women's Tour de France last year.
1: Well, I read that what they, they try to sort of make it like they want a big GC battle on the road on the final day. Um, and they they've, I think they've sort of tried to make it like a sort of Liège-Bastogne-Liège-looking kind of route, was what I read. Um,
0: there's a big climb early on, on mm. the Petit Ballon, and then it kind of, there's a few, yeah, a few quite lumpy climbs. So I could see where they're getting at with that.
1: But as I said, they've moved away from the penultimate day time trial and they want a big shootout on the road on a load of lumpy climbs. That will probably bring a lot of drama i agree. that will be fun i guess oh absolutely I, it's just it's different isn't it it's it's, it's not traditional
0: <laughs> um is there anything in that route tom that you want to hone in on
1: well i'm glad i'm delighted the is back in both uh editions here um that is you know a stage it's actually on the stage from tarb the day before they go to poe isn't it to uh tom you can't hone in on a
0: routine ascent of the Tourmalet in the first half of an early stage.
1: I, there are a few things I'm going to hone in on, so don't worry. Um, okay, because I will go and say that the Tourmalet is definitely not the the pre, the premier climb in this edition. Because what I am most looking forward to, I think, is that they brought back the Col de la Loze. Yes, which was absolutely brutal <laughs> last yes. time they went up it.
0: <laughs> So it, it's, it's quite, it's not a long climb. I think it's only seven kilometers long.
1: The um, Col de
0: la Lourdes? Or the, the one, yeah, maybe that's the one that they're doing. Maybe I've got that wrong.
1: No, no, it's like 21K.
0: Okay, I've definitely got that wrong yeah. then. But yeah, that is a brute. So we, that we should was, make a difference.
1: Miguel Angel Lopez won the last time they went up. And I've got the full profile here. It is 21.5K. Are they doing the whole thing? that They're stopping at the
0: Courchevel Alti wherever that is.
1: No, so they. I think they. It's not a summit finish. They descend back down.
0: Oh right. Okay. So yeah. they crest
1: it. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah.
0: It's it's the Tour de France's highest point. It's like two thousand three hundred meters or something. Two thousand
1: three hundred
0: four. That's the one. Yeah. That's where the all um, something comes in.
1: But the final five uh, k are absolutely brutal. Like it's it's where it stops being a road. And it's like a purpose built cycle path, isn't it? Uh, no no vehicle traffic allowed maybe it that's just, the bit
0: that i'm thinking of
1: and it ramps up it's like over 10 percent all the way essentially
0: i remember seeing that on tv and just thinking it didn't look um it didn't look steady at all at any point it, it, no. it's, a, it's a very
1: spanish looking climb yeah but it's got the length as well as i say it's not like short and sharp it is long and just brutal
0: <laughs> yeah that'll be a good one um the grand colombia is back as well that that's the one that is like weaving at the top that one i'm excited for um the climb I'm most excited for, Tom, is the Puy de Dome. And mainly because I knew nothing about it.
1: Um, I thought you'd be excited for this one because uh, Roman Romain Bardet put it on his Insta story earlier today as well. Yeah, France's climbing extraordinaire,
0: Romain Bardet. I think it's his I think it's one of his local climbs.
1: I got that impression as well. It's, well. it's in the um it's an extinct volcano in the Massif Central, isn't it? That's that's the only thing I do know about it. I know nothing about it as a cycling climb. Interesting you call it an extinct volcano, Tom. In
0: my notes. I've got it down as a dormant lava dome, Okay. <laughs> um, which is lifted straight from the Wikipedia, to be fair. But um, I really like that phrasing. So I was, I'm glad we could get that in. Um, not been used in the Tour de France since 1988. And that is 35 years for the mathematically challenged. Um, I think since then, what's happened is they've put in this kind of railroady ski lift track thing that has basically made the road very the road was already very narrow Mm -hmm. and now it's kind of like halved in size since then there's no parking at the top it's a unesco world heritage site it is essentially a logistical nightmare to plan races on this climb (laughs) but it looks pretty and the road kind of like twists up round this volcano like kind of corkscrews up it um it's a very punishing climb the last four kilometers are at twelve percent.
1: Yeah, that is
0: mm, also quite Spanish. Mm. I'm not sure that they're allowed spectators
1: on that bit, though, because of how narrow the road is. So, well, you said dormant. I said extinct. I like I wouldn't fancy too I, watching them go up Etna in the Giro every year. I'm like you, you, you are aware this is a volcano. Oh, and the good thing is, it's going to give journalists like
0: me a lot of kind of metaphor and simile fodder, isn't it? Like, oh, a explosive attack from David Godu or something. A explosive? Is that the best you could come up with? Explosive. <laughs> oh, it's we, um Taddy Pagac's um molten hot
1: today. Something along okay. those lines. You've you've got eight months to think of some more at least.
0: Christ, my career's not going to last very long if that's what I'm <laughs> uh, that's what I'm coming up with, isn't it? Um Tom, I need to ask you about a certain Mark Cavendish. He reckons Mm -hmm. he's got seven or eight opportunities at this Tour de France. Do you agree with that?
1: He's probably been a bit ambitious there. (laughs) uh, I'll be honest. There's not loads in it for the sprinters. There's that day into stage three into Bayonne, which is mostly flat. Um, The following day from by to a racetrack in nogaro it's called which i've never heard of before that's dax to nogaro never yeah. heard, they could be i think they're made up places <laughs> well dax i dax i know because it's near poe okay um well so is nogaro though and i've just never heard of it but and i've read it's a racetrack but there we go and um i think the day after that into bordeaux will be the big one as well bordeaux's not hosted a stage finish for quite a few years now for a city of its size as well i've
0: got the stats do you want them Yes, please. Thirteen years since it last featured in the Tour de France It's it also. It was also the site of Mark Cavendish's fourteenth of his thirty-four stage wins.
1: I did know that one because I read that earlier as well. Um, so that's. I think you read that in my article. actually. I think Bordeaux is it not the? Has it is it the third most? Is it the town to have hosted the third most? Um, third highest amount of stages. Second. Has Poe not got more now? Poe's third. Oh, I, the numbers Paris, have is close there. Paris is obviously first. Yeah, it is close. It's there's only yeah. like five. In yeah, it.
0: but now they're both on the on the on the uh, on the route. The, the positions are not changing.
1: No, yeah, I I understand how that works. Yes, that, I'm glad yep. we're on the same
0: wavelength. <laughs> um, we'll see. I'm mean, I'm not, not going to get into the Cavs saga because I'm sure people are following that. But at the moment, well, there's no guarantees going to the race. There's, there's no, no guarantees. He's a ride team. The next year, yeah.
1: <laughs> so.
0: The fact that he was at the ceremony, I thought was quite bold for him. And the mm. fact that he's already saying he's clearly trying to sell himself, isn't he? He's trying to say, Look at me, I've got seven or eight opportunities, even though he doesn't. Um, <laughs> to say and then the team will be like, Right, well, if he's got seven or eight opportunities, we back him to take one of those. And the publicity that we'll get from that, from him winning, will basically give us our team's turnover for the next yeah, five years. We'll break even. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, that's that. Early prediction on who's gonna win it, Tom. I've sprung this on you.
1: Um, yeah, if I'm Jonas Vingago, I'm absolutely delighted looking at that as well. I think so too. Yeah. He was, he's been the best climber in the last two editions. So what's not to like? Absolutely. Um, the women's race starts in Clermont-Ferrand. What do you know about Clermont-Ferrand? Um, I actually did a little case study on them in like GCSE French in year 10. So uh, there was a page in our textbook on Clermont-Ferrand. Um, so I know the sport, there's a, their rugby team's not too bad. There was, they, they used to have a football team called clement Auvergne foot I think. Clément-Foot, yeah, I remember yeah. them. And it's where Michelin's from. Michelin being? The tyres, and the oh, Guide. Right. So Yes, the Guide, of course. Yeah. Or Michelin, um, whatever they have. Uh, yeah, obviously, it's not very French pronunciation, but yeah. But that was, look, that
0: was a lot more than
1: I thought you were going to know. Did you
0: not have that in your notes that it's where Michelin's from? No, 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 no. I had that. It's got a very big Gothic cathedral.
1: Oh. Well, there you go. Well, we're trading information here. They're getting a lot of airtime
0: at this Tour de France. There's a rest day in Clermont-Ferrand and a stage start in the men's race. And the women's race have it in their, their Grand Depart. So they've obviously forked out a bit of money for it.
1: Yeah, well, it's, it's quite a big place. It's just one of them, though. It's like dead in the center of France. You know, it's not Paris and it's not on the coast or in the mountains. So it doesn't really get much attention.
0: Yeah. Um, but it will have attention, Tom, come next July. The race will, f- will leave from Clermont-Ferrand. It will set out on a sequence of tough stages with a lot of punchy climbs, coat, as we like to call them in French. <laughs> um, all of the stages are quite classics like right and I think what probably happened was they saw last year that that classicsy feel to the race was very successful in kind of gaining the attention and also keeping the excitement going mm-hmm. um, so they've obviously just decided to stick with that
1: yeah and so as we said the final two days they've obviously gone a bit you know let's blow the race wide open but otherwise it's all to play for every day
0: I mean, the the last two days are just total game changers. I mean, if you're riding that race, you're riding the first six days with nothing but anxiety in your legs for what is coming in the final two days.
1: Yeah, I mean, these big mountain climbs, I don't know how much training the women do, you know, up in the really high mountains because they'd never get a chance to race there. So why would they?
0: I think that's a fair thing to say, because exactly, like, why would you train on something that you don't, that Mm. is, is just not included in your calendar? It would be like, I don't know, Taddy Pogacar doing downhill mountain biking. Yeah. Maybe maybe, not. That, maybe that's fair. that's a bit of a stretch. And I'm sure he's <laughs> probably very good at that as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's a very fair judgment to make. What we have is a proper high mountain stage. On the best climb in, in France. On the best climb in France. Um, interestingly, the stage is only, I, I put in inverted commas, uh, around 2,500 meters climbing. Bear in mind that the highest elevation in the men's race is north of 5,000, um, which David said he doesn't think he's ever even done in training. <laughs> um, it's over 90 kilometers long, so it's going to be quite an explosive stage. Well, it's going to be a shootout straight up the Tourmalet, isn't it? I think so. Well, things could fracture a bit on the Col d'Aspan, and then it's onto the Tourmalet. I, I think it'll be cagey on the Tourmalet. Uh, but the Tourmalet is one of those climbs speaking from experience as somebody who has scaled it on my bike
1: um it start you can get into a rhythm fairly easily at the start that's good i I can i can compare the women's times to your strava segments now as well oh no not (laughs) this again (laughs) i'm gonna have to take your strava this is getting embarrassing um and then
0: it really pitches up at the top so like if you've got bad legs on that day you're shipping a lot of seconds at the top
1: it's high as well that's that's the other thing um you know, way over 2,000 meters. It's um, not just a difficult climb, but once once you get over 2,000 on the bike, you, it is tough.
0: Yeah. Our highest point, Tom, is that, well, I guess when you crest the Tourmalet, what's it called? The Souvenir Jacques Godet, isn't it?
1: It is. Yeah, we had a conversation about Jacques Godet last night. I don't know how much of that I want to bring in now. Well, you did, we did have a conversation. I think it's interesting. So I think it's something that doesn't get talked about. And it's, if
0: you want to give us a brief history lesson, Tom.
1: Well, I'm pretty sit. sure I studied this in... A second-year Parisian history module at university, and Jacques Godet um, was complicit, to say the least, in uh, in the deportation of French Jews from Paris in, during in in the war. And he was definitely a supporter of Marshal Petain. And it's something that doesn't get talked about. He um, the extent to which he collaborated is it's murky. Um, there's a case to say that he was coerced into a lot of his actions. Um, but it's, there's certainly some questionable things going on. And he remained director of the Tour for another 30 years after the war and now has this souvenir named after him as well, which is something that probably needs to be looked at more.
0: So, so after you mentioned this to me yesterday, I went to do some research because I knew nothing about Jacques Godet, to be honest. Mm. Um, he was the race director of the Tour de France for 50 years. 50 years. His dad was the co-founder of L'Auto, which was the newspaper that famously started the race. Um, he then took on the editor role and then became the race director. What you're referring to is the Vélodrome d'Hiver, which is the velodrome that used to be on the west of Paris, yeah. um, that very famously was the site of where 8,000 Jews were rounded up and deported from France to concentration camps um, during the Second World War
1: and they eventually ended up at Auschwitz.
0: Yeah. Um, Jacques Godet was, from what I've read, a supporter of Philippe Pétain, who was the head of Vichy France, um, which was the kind of Nazi Nazi collaboration regime in France. Puppet state,
1: essentially, yeah.
0: Um, Jacques Godet's role, essentially, was that he was the the man that was in charge of this velodrome, uh, and he handed over the keys to the Nazis to then carry out what they did.
1: Yeah, what What I.
0: What we don't know is the circumstances under which he handed over the keys.
1: What I do know is that after the war, when L'Equipe was founded, which is obviously now the premier uh, sports newspaper in France, he was not welcome in their offices.
0: So, this is. There was also something that I read about how when the Nazis were kind of ruling over France at that point, um, or had a massive control over France at that point, he refused to hold the Tour de France. So, like, he was clearly not on their side. It's it's very murky, as you
1: say. It is, and it's probably fair to say that whatever information has been made public is just the tip of the iceberg, as is normally the case. (laughs) Yeah. So when the people of the women's peloton
0: crest the Tourmalet, I'm sure that'll be at the front of all of their minds what happened all those years ago.
1: Well, as I say, it's something that no one knows about. It was not mentioned in his autobiography and it was just after the war just brushed under the carpet. Yeah,
0: I understand why, because the Tourmalet crops up a lot in the Tour de France and I understand why they don't, why it doesn't, you know, come up a lot in in the route presentation. Oh, by the way, this was, (laughs) um, but in the, in the age of, you know, pulling down statues, there is a case for removing that one from the top of that mountain.
1: I think it's worth saying that both Jacques Chirac and Emmanuel Macron, I believe, have apologised for what uh, happened at the Velodrome d'Hiver during the war. So the French state as a whole has definitely tried to make amends. Um,
0: Anyway, Tom, that was a a nice history lesson that you gave me yesterday, and I thought it would be nice to share it with uh, with the listeners.
1: Yeah, I've got no memory of what grade I got in that module, but uh, the little bit that related to cycling has always remained with me.
0: Moving on from something else from your time at university, Tom, as mm-hmm. with you know, a well-trodden turf on this podcast is that you spent some time in, Poe, that is the site of a final-day time trial on the Women's Tour de France.
1: It looks excellent, doesn't it? That Again, hopefully, who knows what the gap will be after the tourmalade the day before, but if it's close, that will be an incredibly interesting day.
0: I'm very excited for a final-day time trial. We've spoken about this before in terms of the Giro, Um We we've spoken about. I think we hypothesised in one episode once about what we wanted from a final day of the Tour de France.
1: The Giro have moved away from it, haven't we? Their route presentation was a couple of weeks ago, and they've gone for a nice procession into Rome, like the Tour has. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Honestly, when when your whole selling point is putting is setting yourself apart from the Tour de France, or like trying to say like oh look, we're slightly different because we do this, Mm. don't just start copying the boring stages, man.
1: I know. Well. Putting Rome on show is probably not a terrible idea, but the, the time trials into Milan and Verona have been stunning the last few years, haven't they?
0: I remember the time trial into Milan Milan. That mm. was the one that Teo won his his pink. Yeah, it was. It? Yeah. That was beautiful.
1: Yeah, well, at least we've got that with the women and showing off the beautiful city of Po as well. I agree. No,
0: I agree with you, Tom. And what it does bring is a lot of drama because it means that I mean, obviously the, the women's race was going to be raced right until the last minute anyway. We know that the men's race gets neutralized on the final day, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um we could have a repeat of that 1989 Tour de France. Annemiek van Vleuten as Greg LeMond trails Demi Vollering, Laurent Fignon. That kind of sound the same as well. Um, by 50 seconds, heading into the final day, only to crush her compatriot's dreams on the streets of Poe.
1: The issue is with that, uh, hypothetical situation is I would expect Annemiek van Vleuten, if she's in the race, to be riding away from them up the tourmalade the way she goes as well.
0: Yeah, look, I'd be surprised if Demi Bollering takes two minutes yeah. after Van Vleuten on the uh, on the tourmalade. But you never know. Look, one of my bold statements, Tom, is um, that I don't think Annemiek van is going to win the race next year.
1: No, I've been expecting her to retire at the end of every season for a long time now. So uh... don't don't, again, don't press me on why I think that because I have absolutely no
0: justification. I'm just trying to say something controversial early doors.
1: Okay, um, not sure what to say to that. Then if I can't press you on it, no, no, that's fine. We'll just we'll (laughs) leave it there. Yeah.
0: And when inevitably she starts winning loads and loads of races next year, then (laughs) we can revisit that statement. Um, And I'll see whether I'll double down on it. I'm sure I will because that's the sort of guy I am. So um, we'll see from there. Tom, what's next for us? I will tell you what's next for us because we've spoken about this. We're going to do our teams of the season. Oh, yeah. Good. I'd forgotten about that. Yep, that's coming up. I'm sure you haven't forgotten about that. I'm sure you've been thinking about that all season. Keeping an eye on standout performances. Mm
1: -hmm. I will open pro cycling stats now.
0: and (laughs) uh... (laughs) Um, As well as what we like to do, Tom, is our big fat cycling quiz of the year.
1: Yeah. um, Now that, Again, it's it's not ready, I'll be honest, uh, but I can, I can put together. How many questions would you like? I think we go head to head in that. I think yeah. we prep questions for each other and, you know, battle it out. That's fine. I will, yeah, I'll do some research, find some really niche events from the year.
0: Okay, well, I'm excited either way. Um, it's a nice way to revisit the year and also a nice way to show you who's boss. You might just get a Philippe Gilbert quiz. It it could be worse. It could be a lot worse. <laughs> um, we, we we can touch on Philippe Gilbert and our team of the season because when we it's a kind of retrospective, right? Because I know you've got things you want to say about Philippe and his send off.
1: I've always got things I want to say about Philippe Gilbert, and I'm not going to get to say them much longer because he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> he's not gone. Don't say he's
0: gone. <laughs> um, Tom, if people want to see what we have to say about absolutely anything, uh, where can they find that?
1: Uh as always we have been quiet recently but we'll be back now on ttpdcst twitter and instagram
0: it right, look i can't promise we'll be back now there's very very little racing if if any racing at all but yeah well we'll post a few things certainly <laughs> um until we speak again tom thank you to the listener for tuning in tom a pleasure as always speaking with you and to everybody you tom and the listener included
1: take care thanks everyone